Welcome to Stories from a Shower Singer with your hosts, Tony and Emma. Welcome to episode 8 of Stories from a Shower Singer. Do you love to sing in the shower? If your answer is yes, then this is the podcast for you. In each episode, we interview fascinating people from all walks of life about the joy and healing powers of singing and creativity. We also invite you, the listener, into an intimate jam session with our guest and teach you their favourite shower song so you can sing along with us. So lather up. And let's sing. (laughs) (laughs) It's too good. Because this makes me love you even more. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are up to episode eight of Stories from a Shower Singer. And we have the incredible Sam Buckingham with us. Hello. Hey, Hello. Sam. Beautiful. Thank you for having me. That's the best intro to a podcast ever. And I'm, I'm a podcast addict, so that it, that I've listened to a lot and it's the best I've ever heard. Oh, my God. Heard. Wow. That Aww. means a lot. Thank you so much. <laughs> Listeners, let me tell you a little bit about our beautiful guest. Sydney-born singer-songwriter Sam Buckingham dropped out of school and left home at the age of 16 working odd jobs for friends of her parents and saving up enough money to get on a bus to Byron Bay, volunteering to pick up trash at the infamous Blues Fest in exchange for a ticket to the festival. She says, standing in one of those dusty tents, I realised that I was on the wrong side of the stage. I felt an aching to be up there singing songs, just like all these incredible artists I was discovering. It really opened up my eyes to the power of music. Buckingham returned home and started writing furiously, cold calling venues, asking for gigs and saving up money for her first recordings. Now, with two acclaimed albums and her grassroots fan-focused approach, Buckingham has become one of Australia's most respected, independent, self-managed artists. Known for her intimate and almost spiritual live shows, Buckingham has been touring consistently since the release of her 2017 album, The Water, lapping the country with Casey Chambers, James Rain and Diesel and selling out her most recent Hammer and Love and Real Life national tours. What a bloody bio. (laughs) Pretty cool. I can attest to the fact that Sam's shows are always a spiritual experience. They are. They they are so so incredibly special and intimate and um and raw and heartfelt and there's really nothing quite like a Sam Buckingham show. Oh, Emma Dean, <laughs> it's you. true. Thank you. Well, as you know, I do like a good um, live performance that makes you sob uncontrollably, <laughs> as I have done many a times at your shows. <laughs> Likewise. Likewise. Oh, my love. So, Sam, I want you to take us right back to the beginning. Tell us, how did you get started in music? Well, uh, the very, very, very beginning of this story is, I suppose, it's. Uh, I was very influenced by my parents and my mum is a musician. She's a choir conductor and a singer and she plays the piano and her job is actually conducting choirs. Um, So I was very influenced from a young age by her 
taste in music and also by her passion for it. She's the cutest person in the world. Her face just lights up when she sees a new musical instrument or when she hears songs that she really loves and she's so enthusiastic about music. And so I guess that's probably in my DNA a little Mm bit, Um, but I was also really exposed to that way of life. Um, My stepdad as well is a musician. He plays violin and he sings and he works with mum on a lot of choir, um, a lot of the choir work that she does and Mm. he actually used to manage orchestras and things like this. So I was just kind of all Always around, um, around this sort of creative musical energy, and my mum would make up songs, you know, for us to get dressed in the morning to, or go to bed, you know. Oh, for, and she would play the piano, and you know, we dance around, and all this kind of stuff. So, uh, I think that it just it just has always felt really natural to be making noise. Um, my dad is not a musician, but he's one of the world's biggest music fans, I think. <laughs> and so he, he was, he was always listening to the greats. Um, and I guess that was kind of influencing me without me realizing as well, just him having that music on. And then I remember him always telling me how great the Beatles were. And I was like, Oh dad, you're so daggy. They can't possibly be good. (laughs) 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 Leave me alone with your Beatles talk. (laughs) Eventually I succumbed and I listened. I was like, damn it. Um, So when you say he was listening to the greats, you don't mean the Brisbane band, the greats. Oh, right. Maybe yes. The great artists. Maybe he likes the greats as well. No, <laughs> he's, he's like he's really into um, Fleetwood Mac and the Beatles oh. and yes and and uh, he actually took me to my first live show which was Phil Collins <gasps> but seriously oh, wow. tour and uh, I got shivers just thinking about it, it was so special uh, I got the t-shirt and everything um, so so I was influenced from a lot of different angles mm. and then my extended family a lot of them are musicians as well on both sides. Wow. So I guess it's just kind of in my bones. So I guess it started at a young age and um, when I was really little, maybe four or five years old, I was recording songs with my granddad, um, you know, just making things up. And we have a, an album of Christmas carols and my interpretation, what I thought was a Christmas carol, like I Am the Garbage Band, for example, is not actually a Christmas carol, but I didn't care. I had a microphone and I just wanted to sing these songs, you know. So um, so there was that. And then I started putting on performances when I was probably about five years old. Um, and my my mum still loves to tell this story that I would start to sing and I would make everyone pay attention to me. And if anyone showed any signs of not watching me fully 100%, I'd stop and I'd tell them, oh. <laughs> I got very emphatic then. I was gesturing very emphatic. I would stop and I would say, hey, you watch the show and I would have to start the show all over again. Oh, my God. So I think I it's just it. kind of in there. I just want yeah. that, um, want to be performing. But then my uncle gave me, one of his hand-me-down guitars uh, for Christmas when I was about 14. He's a wonderful <sighs> guitarist and he's actually a guitar teacher, plays cool. classical guitar, and um, he gave me a hand-me-down for Christmas. And I just kind of, it just made sense to strum it and sing. It, it I'd never really thought about it. And I'd been writing poetry for a lot of years before then. Uh, so I just started putting music to the poetry that I'd been writing and the next obvious step was to just write songs. And it just kind of happened. I didn't think much about it. It just seemed obvious. 
Isn't that fascinating? Wow. What do you think it uh, it is about that call to create and to connect? Why do some people have that and others don't? Or do you think that we actually all have it? Do you think we're all creative beings? And I don't know. What do you think? I do think that we're all creative beings and I think that gets expressed in so many different ways. And it's kind of like everything. Everything is on a spectrum, right? So personality is on a spectrum. Sexuality is on a spectrum. You know, everything is on a spectrum. So I'm a creative person, you're a creative person, but that will present as something potentially very different right. um, depending on all sorts of factors that we can't necessarily explain. Um, I think for me personally it's partly a personality thing mm. but I also feel very strongly that I I have kind of a purpose through my creativity and through my music and through my songwriting and I wonder what would have happened if my uncle hadn't given me that guitar. How yeah. would I have mm. found it eventually anyway? Mm. Would something else have happened to bring me to that point? And obviously I don't know the answer to that question but I feel like if, if you are a certain way, if you are a certain person, if you do have a certain purpose, then eventually that thing will find you. Mm. And and I, I feel like it's kind of just constantly unraveling and what I think maybe is my purpose now through my work and through writing songs and performing, that's going to keep evolving if I'm open to it evolving. Mm. Yeah, I, I reckon like for, for me personally, I don't – I, I've never really had a serious um, passion for like songwriting or the, the expression of my emotions through songwriting. Mm. Like I think, um, like for example, Sam and yourself, Emma, um, you've probably written like so many songs, like thousands. I don't know. Can't count. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's probably like your 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 way of expressing as well, yeah, like your definitely. emotions, like you. You feel, you go through life, you know, you feel and then you express through the through the song. And I think some people have that more than others. I don't I've never felt the the yearning like mm. to, to express through song, but I have to like force myself. And I don't know if you have to like force yourself to, to write songs. I do. Sometimes like some, yeah. yeah, just to like <laughs> you need to write a song, you yeah. know. You have you have a set mm. time frame, like you know, the songwriting club club or something. Mm. Yeah. Um but um yeah, I, I kind of have to force myself to write a song, but I feel like probably yourself, both of you, mm. yeah. You, you know, your your skill and the way that you create, I've always thought this, is through interpreting yeah, other perhaps. people's songs, yep. you know, so that's your As a drummer creative. or as a producer. But Absolutely, yeah. 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 And that's another thing also about you, Tony, and I've seen this in action, is that you will sit down and practice your ass off on the drums <laughs> or on engineering or on guitar or whatever else, I have to force myself to practice. Yeah. Writing me comes too. easily to me. Performing comes easily to me. There's all of these other creative things that are easy. But actually gaining the practical skills that I need to really master my craft, yeah. that is like pulling teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah. So it's so, And then again, I think that's such a personality yeah, thing. Yeah, like for sure. You have a certain kind of personality that leans towards that discipline and leans towards that 
I, I think both of you, you two dream deans, are very conscientious, you know, and you're really disciplined and you, you're like, I will, I will actually do this well, whereas I'm like, I'll just do it. <laughs> and, and you do and it I'll well. see what happens. No, you always do it well. Thanks. You do. You oh, know, my goodness. One of the first memories I have of you, Sam, um, for all the listeners at home, um, so I think it was one of your tours maybe in 2008. Eight. Yeah, I think Ooh. it was like maybe the first time I met you, which was at Bailey's Road when me and Emma, yeah, were, when, we when, were living together. Was that together. the very first house concert? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we need we need to talk about these yeah. house concerts. Yes. Well, okay. And I think um, oh, what, what, what was I saying? Well, anyway, I think I was practicing at that stage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, because I, I had this dream to like get get a bunch of songs together and then go out and do some gigs and get some money. And I was like in my room practicing and I think you were like, you're ready. You're ready. To- <laughs> <laughs> you're ready. Get out there. <laughs> that is such a Sam fucking like thing to say. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about this because as Sam mentioned, this house concert, so basically what happened, if I remember correctly, you had booked a gig maybe that fell through yes. in Brisbane. Yes. And I said, all right, how about we create our own gig? Come over to my ha- our house. We'll charge a little bit on the door and let's do a house concert. Yeah. So tell us about that experience and, and how you've taken that and just kind of run with that, the concept. Well, yeah, that was, I think that was my very first house concert experience. And and that was so cool. Um, cool. And it was. It was a cancelled gig. I can't remember where the gig was, Mm. but it was really last-minute cancellation. And and so you all just pulled together and got your friends. And I think something clicked in my brain where I was like, hold on a second. I can sing songs in someone's house. People will come that I don't know. Mm -hmm. So new people are going to be hearing my music and I can make money. And it was this, it was this like brain shift that happened because as a independent, self-managed touring artist that doesn't get a lot of radio airplay, that doesn't get a lot of press, that doesn't, you know, that's basically mm-hmm. just trying to figure it out mm-hmm. as she goes along, especially back then. What was that, like 12 years ago or something? Yeah. You so, were the, one of the pioneers, I think, of, of that. In Australia, of, in Australia yeah, yeah. I was one of the first people to do it sort of on a, in a regular way mm. and in a sort of more structured way in Australia. Um, now it's just everyone's doing it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I kind of – I think I had the kind of brain where I'm always thinking how can I do this better, how can I do this smarter, mm. how can I do this so that it works, you know, more effectively in order to achieve whatever it is that I'm looking to achieve. And so it was like a switch just flicked for me where I realised – And I think that at that point as well, I was really starting to feel like I'd sort of dried up all my options in terms of the places that I knew of where to play, the other musicians that I knew in each town, um, the amount of time that I could put into trying to make tours work, the amount of money that I could try and put into trying to make tours work. Um, Now I have a financially sustainable model that I use, but back then, you know, I was working other jobs so that I could support my habit of touring (laughs) and recording music, you know. So um, it, it just really clicked for me that this was a much more sustainable way to be touring and I ended up doing I think it's pretty soon after that I did a national tour and I had like 20 or 30 house concert Mm. dates and it was and it just started to open up this whole new world of 
the fans that I already have helping me out by mm. bringing their friends and family along, therefore making new fans, and of not losing money on tour. It was the first time that I'd Whoa. not lost money on tour. I'd actually made a profit. And so I started to realise that maybe there was a different way of, I'm going to put in, in inverted commas, running my business because up until then it was just a hobby really. Mm. So I started to see that I it could become a sustainable business mm. if I, you know, shifted the way that I was approaching things a little bit. So and, cool. you know, if I hadn't I done that, that, I might not still be working as a performer now because it, you, you burn out eventually. <laughs> you if, really do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, you know, for me, the choir, I think that has been our, our little equivalent mm. of the house concert model you know it's that thing it, it was it's music mm. and but it actually allows us to sustain this life as exactly a, a professional musician yeah. yeah whereas I think if we hadn't found choir mm. I don't know where I'd be to be honest yeah. mm. so Sam tell tell us a little bit more about what uh, a, da- a week in the life of <laughs> Sam Buckingham <laughs> might look like what are the various things that you do because even though you're not working you know a non-musical job, I would imagine you're still wearing multiple hats. I have so many hats. Tell us all about your hats. <laughs> so many hats. I would, like a week in the life, there's probably 52 versions per year I hear of your what sister. that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it really depends on what projects I'm working on at the moment. So all of, most of my work is music related, but I also I'm a yoga teacher, so I do that one morning a week when I'm not touring. And I'm really lucky because I've got a yoga studio that I practice at as well as teach at Mm. who are very understanding and flexible. So if I'm going away on tour or whatever, then they just get someone to cover my classes for me. And Mm -hmm. um, So that's just to be completely transparent. I do have one little form of income that's not um, music-related, but the rest of it is – Yeah, the rest of it is is music. So when I'm not touring – I'll start with that. When I'm not touring, I live down near Byron Bay um, or up, depending on where you're listening to this podcast. Uh, (laughs) I live near Byron Bay and I'm so lucky around there because that whole region, there's so much live music in cafes, restaurants, markets, bars. I can busk if I don't have a gig. There's a real culture of supporting the arts and supporting local musicians. Mm. And so... When I'm not touring, that's my day job, in inverted commas. Mm-hmm. So um, that's really cool. I usually do that like Wednesday through to Sunday or Thursday through to Sunday and I'll do like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night and then two gigs on a Saturday, two gigs on a Sunday. So I'm working. Like I'm not oh, just going to oh yeah, yes. I'll just go out and play a couple of gigs and, you know, it's by the massive. time Monday rolls around, you know, I need a bit of a rest. Yeah. Um, Monday's always my day off. Um, and then when I'm not doing those gigs, I – I'm doing one of two things. I'm either doing mentoring work for iHeart Songwriting Club, yes. which is uh, founded by Francesca de Valence, and it's the most beautiful community and I love working with and for them. So I do online mentoring for other songwriters and mm. I also do um, mentoring in terms of people's career where they're at and um, setting goals and things like that. And I do online workshops for them as well. Gorgeous. So I'm spending some time doing that and then – the rest of my working time, it depends on what project. So if I'm working on a tour, then I'm doing promotion for that, whether that's via social media, community radio stuff, mm-hmm. um, mailing lists. Then there's all of the, the logistics for it. So I have a booking agent, which is amazing. He does all of my show booking for me. 
but then the rest of it is still up to me. So figuring out how I'm going to get from A to B and organising who's going to open the show for me, um, sorting out my merch, all this kind of stuff. So I'm basically just an admin assistant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I often think when I'm doing all that work, I'm like, man, any major record label would be lucky to have me. Like I'm just across all of of the everythings, the touring schedules, the merchandise, the finances, you know, I'm, I'm working all that stuff out. So, so I'm working on that. And then I have, um, a dedicated day. Wednesday is my creating day. So after I teach yoga on a Wednesday, as long as I'm at home, um, after I teach yoga on a Wednesday, the rest of the day is dedicated to writing, to working on songs, um, whether that's like working on a set to for the next tour or working on songs that I'm going to be recording or recording and filming songs for Patreon or for mm-hmm. social media. So that's kind of – it's just all in one because what I've learned about myself is that if I try to create every day, I, I can't – keep it up mm-hmm. and then I can't keep up with the work that I have to do and so what I try to do is time block tasks and time mm. block sort of categories of tasks because that way I can sort of get in the flow a little bit more easily yeah. and I, I don't lose that time shifting from one thing to another so mm. I try to put my phone on airplane mode and I close my computer down and I just create for the day and then when I'm doing my admin work if I have an idea for a song or if I remember something that I have to work on for the next tour. I just make a note of it for the next day. So I try not to get – because it's really easy generally as a human being but also if you're working in the creative field where there's so many different hats that you have to wear, um, it's so easy to get pushed and pulled from one thing to another and Mm. trying to keep up with everything. And then you get to the end of the day and you're like, geez, I didn't get anything done on my to-do list. So that's kind of what the week looks like. I have Mondays off. Tuesdays I try to keep for – like sort of that working on, I call it Big Ticket Tuesday, so it's like all the really important stuff that has to get done yep. that's related to a project or something that I'm trying to achieve or whatever. Then Wednesday is the creating day. Then Thursdays and Fridays are kind of a bit more free form depending on um, what else, what I've got left over from the rest of the week. Um, but it's usually and admin related. And, and then things, gigs yeah. from Wednesday or Thursday yeah. through till Sunday. So um, it's a, it's a lot of work. Week. That's a wow. that's a seven day work. That's a, week. Yeah. yeah, really. Oh, except Monday. No, it's a six Monday. Day Sorry, six week. day. Yeah, sometimes mm. I work on a Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then obviously, like I'm fitting in, seeing friends, and like practicing yoga, and I've just started up kickboxing. So like, you know, oh, I'm yes. trying to have a life as well outside of that. Totally. Um, so that's what it looks like when I'm at home, and then when I'm on tour, I mean, it just depends on what the tour oh, is. Absolutely, you just have to go. My job, I have realized on tour, I used to think that my job was playing a show on tour and I did this long three-month tour last year. Was it last year or the year before? With James Rain, um, this regional tour. So I was driving a lot, um, playing playing the gig, finishing late, going to wherever the Airbnb or the hotel, waking up early the next morning, driving to the next gig, doing it all again and it was like over and over again for three months with, you know, mm-hmm. a few days off in between. Um, and I realised in that time that when I'm touring – Actually, my job is is to look after myself for 23 hours of the mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. so that for the one hour <laughs> that I have to actually, like, perform, I'm completely there and ready and capable. And oh, so yeah. I really view touring as this completely different mm-hmm. entity to, you know, I, I try not to have to keep up with other projects and especially if I'm driving myself, I can't get on my computer Mm -hmm. and make fun, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's everything sort of has to shift and then often you'll have 
days during the week off on tour, but you might be sort of away from home still. Mm. So I'm always trying to schedule in somewhere that I can stay so that I can get a couple of days work done yeah. mm-hmm. so that I sort of stay on top of whatever it is I have to stay on top of with projects, recording, um, admin, whatever else, working on the next tour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, – and then go back to like that 23 hours a day is looking after myself. So Which is, yeah. when I probably put it that way, it really sounds like I do a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and that, you know, it's so fascinating. I've been on tour with, you know, at, as an opening act with various bands over the years and it has always fascinated me when musicians are able to go and party. Yeah, we've had this conversation. Like after a gig and then wake up the next morning and, you know, travel to the – how do you do it? Because, Mm. like, I think we're very similar in the Mm. way that we tour and the way that we – I guess, view the work that we're doing, uh, you know, just not getting sick is like yeah. priority yeah, totally and priority. having yeah. the, the enough energy mm. to, to go on to the stage when people are, you know, at the gigs coming up and hugging you and there's yeah. germs flying around. <laughs> it's a hard thing to, And you not know. to mention the energy output when you're oh, meeting fans. And, I mean, the perform just performing itself, the energy output of performing is huge. Yeah. And then you're meeting fans, you know, you're having – sometimes really in-depth conversations with people at the merch desk or at the bar or whatever. And then, um, you know, you have to be at the venue early so that you can sound check so that you can – there's a whole lot of stuff that goes on that people don't see apart from Mm. that you're performing and you need – you need to be switched on for all of those things and it's a very intensified period of time where I think you you get into this high alert kind of state. Completely. And that – in itself takes a toll on the body. So if you're a certain personality type, I reckon, Mm. you know, and I think we are very similar. Mm. Yeah. Um, Like after a gig, I have to go home and not talk and just like hide. (laughs) Touring with me is apparently the most boring thing because I don't don't talk. We should tour more together. (laughs) Let's let's do it, Sam. Seriously, we can just go... Not talk to each I other. I just don't talk the whole time. I just won't. Vocal rest. I Vocal rest and also like just energy, emotional, emotional rest. And and people are like, why don't, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. I'm just conserving. Yeah. And, um, and it really works for me. But I think other people, that would be a total drain for them. They need that interaction. Maybe mm. it is an introvert, extrovert thing. It, it might or, be. But also my mouth just gets dry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and you know my my cheeks get so sore yes, from smiling. Me too. <laughs> it's a hard life, guys. It's, it's really a hard, hard life. I tried not to smile as much as I possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I wanted to talk about? What? And Tony, I, I you were you were there, so you can chime yeah. in at any point. I know. Absolutely. Sam mentioned earlier that she is a yoga teacher. I have to say, (laughs) I've done a few classes where Sam has been teaching and it is so delicious. Mm. I love your yoga classes, Sam. We actually did something um, last year. Oh, it was last year. Yes. Um, A a beautiful uh, retreat called Finding Your Voice. And the whole retreat finished with Sam taking this yummy yoga class and I accompanied Mm, on the piano, just improvised. And it was 
I loved it. I just so get tingles even <laughs> thinking about it. It was, it was so, so beautiful. beautiful. And usually I'm on the other end of that because I'm a musician. Yes. So what I do with my yoga teacher friends is they teach and I sing. Yeah. And I'm always oh. and I'm always there going, Well, this is nice, but I want to be practicing to live music. Well, hey, I'll come so and play anytime, baby. <laughs> but you know, how how many years ago was it, Tone, that we actually visited Sam? Oh, at the yoga farm. At the yoga oh farm in Costa Rica, believe it or not. By the way, that was yeah. so awesome that you guys came and did that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, hey, by the way, you should totally come and visit me in Costa Rica. Uh, <laughs> All right. And we did. We yeah, just we totally did. did. So Tony and I did a few gigs in um, North America mm-hmm. and then – Sam was living in Costa Rica at that time, and we thought, hell Killed yeah. Killed two birds with one stone. Oh, my God, let's yeah. do it. But I was a little apprehensive at, at, at first. You when, totally when couldn't Emma, touch his toes. But no, well, I mean, I never, never did yoga in my life, and then Emma's like, hey, do you want to go to this yoga farm and <laughs> do yoga every day for two weeks? And, and I, was like, I don't know, will I die? <laughs> Well, you nearly did die. <laughs> I think we all nearly died. We all nearly at died some point. at certain points in, yeah. that, in that trip. I love that you guys came to visit. Yes, oh, it that was, was absolutely amazing. <laughs> and we pooed in the ground. Yeah. We got pretty backed up from all those lentils, didn't we? There's a lot of beans happening. There was so, so many beans. There's a lot of beans happening. A lot but of you, nearly stepped, you nearly stepped on a deadly snake. I yes, did a coral, coral snake. snake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was scorpions everywhere. There was, there was a, a scorpion. There was a scorpion in, um, in my undies. Yeah, oh my god. Yes. Yeah, was that your Undies. Oh, yes, it was. And, the, and, and someone uh, else got, Chelsea's as well. Chelsea got bitten in the oh, bum yes, as she well. Did. She put on her yoga pants. There was a yes. scorpion in there and she the, got During the yoga the class? That's right. <laughs> she like ran out with her pants down like, ah! <laughs> so peaceful. And then, of course, there was the horse the horse trip. Oh, the my God. Ride. Can you the describe that for everyone? <laughs> it was with, with Jesus. 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 So, So we were... For the listeners out there, you already know the story, obviously, Tony and Emma. Um, never forget it. So, okay, so I'd actually already been living on this this plate in this farm for a little while and I'd been on this trip um, maybe once, one other time, this horse trail that took us through the Costa Rica jungle all through the mountains and down, um, down over the beaches and it was this glorious, scary thing. Anyway, so I convinced everybody to come with me. <laughs> <laughs> everybody nearly died, but that's fine. Um, how would I describe it? Okay, so we were... It was raining. It was raining. It was so... It had been raining. Yeah, yeah. so it was very slidey, very muddy. muddy. We were on these tiny little trails, so the horses literally had to just put like one hoof <laughs> in front of another on this like on this really narrow kind of path. And they were even the horses were, were really sliding. slipping and sliding, like they couldn't really find their footing a lot of the time. There were <laughs> there were bugs. How big do you reckon those bugs were that were like they flying were into ginormous. us? Ginormous. So like a. Elephant beetle or something. I don't know. But they were, what, what were they? They I were like, I don't know. There were bugs were. that stung, but they were, they looked like, like elephant beetles or rhinoceros beetles. It was so little, little tiny Is bugs a that looked like beetle a thing? tongues. Yes, yes. <laughs> Is that a thing? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure I'm it Google that. Okay. But, yeah, you know, yeah. two hours into this journey, we hear this, um, this blood curdling scream, scream coming from, from Tony. Tony Dean. I'd never heard such a thing. Wait, before. wait, was I was I the first I one to scream? I think you were the first to be bitten. 
I can't. Mm-hmm. I think I don't I, remember. Yeah. There was, oh, there was, there was multiple, multiple screamings. Multiple screamings. And it turns out these bugs had been biting. I think it was just you and Sam, Tony We're and special. Sam. Mm, We're special. We was, yeah. And <laughs> the pain was quite excruciating, wasn't it? Oh my gosh, it, yeah. it was horrible. It and then really my intense. my horse veered off the track at one point um, because it it tried to go home. It obviously saw oh, yeah. its home and just started running. And, you and could... I couldn't hold on, and I kind of flopped over the front of the of the horse and my vagina will never be the same. It was not a fun time. Oh and then gosh. we had to get from the mountains back to the farm via the beach. The beach. And the tide was coming up and we had to cross. It was like all of these um, jagged rocks and then the tide coming up and slamming against the rocks and we each had this tiny little window of like, I don't know, three and a half seconds or something to sprint across when the water was going back out. And if it it was so strong, the water coming up and it was so close to the rocks that if we didn't do it in that window of time, it's slam against the rocks, horse on horse time. Uh, It was. I'm sitting here with my hands (laughs) over my face because the trauma was so that whole you know however many hours about five hours, it was really long, it was a long wasn't day it? yeah um I was thinking to myself why is no one panicking like I am internally <laughs> Sam's there with a big smile on her face and I'm thinking this is the day we die but little did I know Sam was also thinking the same okay we're gonna die today. Yeah. <laughs> diddly, diddly, I kind diddly. of have this weird thing though like I'm I do not have a death wish. I'm actually quite a careful person in a lot of areas of my life. But there are certain activities and there are certain sort of like adventurous things that could potentially kill you that I just really love doing. Mm. And I love. there's something in me that loves that knowledge that I could actually die at any moment. And it's not because I want to and it's it's just kind of like it brings you to that edge where you realise, A, you realise your mortality for me it's really mm. when I remember my own mortality I'm it, it brings me to this place mentally and emotionally where I value my life so highly because I realize that it, that it's not just always going to be there and so there's something that happens when I find myself almost dying on a horse or when I and I mean on that trip <laughs> particularly that I had so many of these moments I I um I hiked up a volcano and like, was very close to falling into the crater. Then there was another. <laughs> then there was another oh. volcano where there was one side you could go up and it was fine. The other side, if you went on that side, because of the wind, the fumes from the volcano were like legit toxic, and oh I didn't realize I was on the other side. But then I realized, and when I found out, I was like, "Oh, cool! I was pretty close to dying." That's good to know, you know, like, I know just, you know, there's all these moments. And I actually got really ill on that trip as well. And I would not have wished that upon anybody. I got chikungunya virus, which is like in the family of dengue fever. And it was really, it was very legitimate lying in my hotel bed wondering if I was going to die. But after that, I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed that experience, but after that experience, and I think I've held on to it ever since, I've had this heightened appreciation for my own life and mm-hmm. for my own body mm-hmm. and for the limitations and for the understanding that at any time with any thing happening that I don't know when it will or when it won't, it, that could be the end for me. And mm. I, yeah, I don't love 
that feeling, but I appreciate mm. that feeling. It brings me, mm. it brings me kind of closer to myself. So yeah, and when we were riding the horses, I kind of did feel like we could all potentially die, and I found it slightly amusing. <laughs> I, I feel like it's amusing now. I love that yeah. you, you arrived at that place much earlier than yeah. I did. I just couldn't believe it. Like about two days before me and Emma left, so we stayed there for two weeks. I think, Sam, you were there for maybe a couple mm. of months or yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there was a, a an accident with a truck that was oh, going yeah. down the hill that and then tragic. it rolled and the the driver was okay, but the passenger, um, she, she flung yeah, out, she flung out and, and she was unconscious and you know, worried about moving her because of her spine and she was not in a good way. Yeah, but that was really... They called the, the ambulance and it took two, about two hours for the ambulance to arrive. Yeah. The, the ambulance arrived and then they didn't have any painkillers. So then it took two hours back to go to the hospital and that was like wow. two days. That was after the horse riding. Yeah. That was Can after the, the coral snakes, after the scorpions, after mm. the, the surf. Yeah. And, just what like, would have what happened, would have happened? Mm. if we in the jun- in the Costa Rican jungle? Costa Rican mm. jungle, fallen off a horse and broken our, our legs. vagina. I mean, our <laughs> vagina. <laughs> yeah, so. Tony, what would happen if you broke your vagina? Oh, I, well, let me tell you. You know, Emma's vagina may have been sore, but I tell you what: riding a horse for four hours as a man that's never ridden a horse before. It's, a lot of it's extremely <laughs> uncomfortable. Really push yourself. <laughs> oh the constant bouncing up wow. and down. Wow. Oh my gosh! I don't think my my stirrups were in the right place either. So oh I'll tell you what, we were sore, weren't we? Well, yeah. I'm grateful you two are still my friends. Of <laughs> <laughs> we've been through so much we together. Have been through yeah. together. <laughs> oh, I love it. Now, Sam. I feel like this is a stupid question, considering you are a beautiful singer, but also you're on this podcast, which is about singing in the shower. Do you sing in the shower, Sam Buckingham? Um, Yes, I do sing in the shower, often with my head sticking out the window. Um, (gasps) Tell me about that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you haven't been to my house, Tony, but you have, Emma. So you know that I live on this big, beautiful, vast property with pretty much nobody around, mm-hmm. which means there's a lot of nudity happening. <laughs> and one of the things I especially love to do is open the windows of the, So I've got these wraparound windows where my shower is. And especially when the cows, so we have cows that visit the property. Um, they're the neighbour's cows and they just come to graze. Especially when there's cows, that makes me very happy. And I like to open up the windows and stick my naked body out and <laughs> sing to the cows. Beautiful. Or just sing to the trees. Gorgeous. But generally, I'll also just sing in the shower without opening the window and sticking my body out. But, you know, that's my <laughs> preferred way of doing it. I love Do the cows that. sing, do the cows the sing cows along in reply, harmony? The cows yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, so and I do sing in other showers as well. Good. You know, generally shower singing. Well, I hope that you'll sing in my shower. I will definitely Sam, sing. Sam, we're having a slumber I, party I think tonight. I have sung oh. in your shower before. Oh, I'm sure Actually. you have. Mm. Um, do you have a, a favourite song to sing in the shower? I don't have a favourite song, but this weird thing I have noticed about myself, and it happens when I'm warming up my voice as well for gigs. So I usually warm up for like an hour or two before I play a gig. I do and I do all these things mm-hmm. and then I sort of start to hum a song and then I start to sing a song and it kind of just gets in this um, rhythm because I found that I sing my best when I've already been singing for mm-hmm. a couple of hours. Um, I, I start to sing Christmas Carol. 
Beatles. Wow. Oh. And I also sing Disney songs. Oh, my God. Yeah. Cool. But you're not singing a Christmas carol or a Disney song today, are no, you? No, I am not, although I could add those in. You could. We could do it. There's many that I love. Yeah. So, so today, if, you, if we were to ask you to jump in the shower with us, what song would you sing today? I would sing my very favourite song that makes me happy all the time, which is Too Good To Be True, Frankie Valli. Oh, my songs. God. It's my yes. go-to. It's my go-to Hell yeah! Isn't life grand? Oh my so, god! Yeah. Well, would you do that? Would you would you honour us by jumping in the shower and and having a sing? It would be my pleasure. Yes. Before we do that, I think we should teach the listeners maybe a harmony. What okay. do you think? Sounds good. Sounds let's like do a plan. it. All right. So let's start with the high harmony. This comes in during the chorus, and it's a series of. R's starting on the note E flat. It goes like this. So let's sing together. One, two, three, four. every chorus but there is one exception the last time we sing the r's for the final chorus we're actually only going to sing this Ah, ah, and we finish there so let's just do that last one together oh one two three four here from Tony, who's going to teach you the low harmony. Thank you for that, Emma. All right, so now we're going to sing the lower part. And the lower harmony starts on an F sharp, and it's going to go like this. Let's do it together. Oh, one, two, three, four. Uh, 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 uh. Beautiful. And like Emma said, on the last chorus, we're only going to be doing the first two ones. And that sounds like this. Oh, one, two, three. Three, four. Uh, uh, and then we stop there and we let Sam sing us out. All right. Well, um, Sam, I don't have any windows uh, near the shower, so we <laughs> might not no be cows. able to. No, there's no I cows. I only sing if there's cows. Oh Bring me some cows. All right. Okay, we'll see we'll, what we can do. We'll, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'll, I'll try to <laughs> rustle that up. <laughs> 
I might have to go, go over to my neighbours and Your pay them to make some Your window isn't very cows. big. I have to stick my body out in order to sing. This isn't working for me. <laughs> oh, Sam, do you want the water pressure um, nice and strong or light? I'd like what? strong. I'd like cold, please. Take cold the turn, turn hot off, please. Cold shower. Oh, yeah, cold shower. Oh, oh I, I like that. Cold Tony, cold. can you turn on okay, the tap? Okay, okay. I don't like a cold, but we'll do it. <laughs> we'll do anything for Sam Buckingham. We'll do anything. <laughs> Take it away, Sam. Here we go. You're just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off of you You'd be like heaven to touch I wanna hold you so much At long last love has arrived And I thank God I'm alive You're just too good to be true I can't take my eyes over you I've been waiting that I stay Oh, there's nothing else to compare The thought of you leaves me weak There are no words left to speak But boy, if you feel like I feel Please let me know that it's real You're just too good to be true I can't take my eyes over you. Love you. 
<laughs> Sam, that was incredible. Oh, you are amazing. That was Thank amazing. You. That was really fun. Oh. I love that song. Doesn't it just make you want to... I don't know, cry and laugh with joy at the same time. In the shower. In the shower. Oh, it does. And I feel so clean now. I Thank do. you so much. How did very you like fresh. the cold? How did you like the cold? Well, you know, after about a minute I got used to it, mm. but it was it's a, very good it was for your, tricky. It's very good for your nervous system. I thought you were going to say something else then, Sam, <laughs> <laughs> which we'll discuss later. <laughs> Never mind. This podcast always gets a little filthy, it does. even after a shower. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Buckingham, thank you so much for coming thank on you. our thank show. You for we are going to put um, some links to Sam's website um, so you can check out all of her gigs and you know where to buy her amazing music. So please check that out. All right. Thank you. Love you guys. Love you, Sammy. Thank you, Sam. You've been listening to Stories from a Shower Singer. If you like the podcast, please rate it, subscribe, and share with your friends. Stories from a Shower Singer is brought to you by Emma Dean, Tony Dean, and Corinne Bazanjic of Cheap Trill. Until next time, stay clean. Stay clean.